Good morning. How we doing? Good. What would you do if you won the lottery? Now, I hit a nerve this morning, didn't I? <laughs> Repent. <laughs> Top five answers to that question. Here they are. The people that have been polled per this issue. If you won the lottery, what would you do? And these were the top five answers. Number one, the number one thing. Can anybody guess what is the number one thing people would do if they won the lottery? They would quit their job. Number two. They're lying about this one. They would pay off all their debts. Number three, they would buy a mansion or they would buy homes, houses. Number four, they would buy new cars, vehicles. Number five, they would travel the world and party. And one guy said, though, it did not make the top five. And this one I find to be the most interesting of all of them in such an ironic way is this one. A guy who said if he won the lottery, he would, and I quote, I would invent and patent something. Now, I guess what he's doing is he's trying to think of a way to keep making money after he's wealthy. But my question to him is if he is capable of inventing and patenting something, why doesn't he do it now so he might not need to win the lottery? Hmm. The truth is that people who have money have it because they know how to make it, manage it, and save it. And that's why when you look at people who win the lottery within five years of having won it, they are probably, the majority of them are either broke again or a lot of them are dead. And if you look back at the top five list, you're going to see why they're going to be broke again in five years. Look at this logic. Number one, I'm going to quit my job. So they're saying right off the bat, when I win the lottery, I intend to quit making money. Number two, they're going to spend lots of money. So they're going to quit making money, but they're going to spend lots of money. Pay off debts, buy mansions, buy cars, travel the world. And, and the next thing is, so they're going to quit making money, spend lots of money, and then they're going to become oblivious to life. Hence, party. Now, that's the reason why they're going to be broke again in five years after they win the lottery. They're going to quit making money, spend lots of money, and become oblivious to life. So I want to ask a couple of questions in light of that, of that logic. And that's what we want to talk about today. And notice I'm not using the word money, but I'm going to use the word resources because we're talking about more than money today. These three questions, how should resources be used? Secondly, who can be trusted with resources? And thirdly... Should people serve resources or serve the God of all resources? I want you to look at me with the text, Luke chapter 16, starting at verse 9, reading from God's Word translation. Jesus continued a 
discourse that he's already involved in. It says here in verse 9, Jesus continued, he said, I'm telling you that although wealth is often used in dishonest ways, you should make it to, or you should use it, notice this, to make friends for yourselves. When life is over, you'll be welcomed into an eternal home. This is the key verse, verse 10. Whoever can be trusted with very little can be also trusted with a lot. Whoever is dishonest with very little is dishonest with a lot. Therefore, if you can't be trusted with wealth that is often used dishonestly, who will trust you with wealth that is real? And if you can't be trusted with someone else's wealth, who will give you your own? A servant cannot serve two masters. He will hate the first master, love the second, or he will be devoted to the first and despise the second. But you can't serve God and wealth. So this passage right here answers the three questions I just raised. Let's break that down. Go back, look at it with me now. Let's talk about question number one. How should resources be used? Verse 9 answers that question. Jesus said, you should, you should use it to make friends for yourself. Isn't that an interesting sentence right there? I mean, if you read that literally and you don't dig in to find out what that means, you would have a very, a, a very confused look on your face as some of you do right now. We should use money to make friends for ourselves. Does that mean that we should use our money to buy some friends? Because we know people who have tried to do that. Am I right? That's not what he's saying. The way that you can determine, I believe, what this verse is trying to say is by putting that, keeping that verse in the context with the rest of what's being said. Look at what follows right after that, where Jesus said, you should use this to make friends for yourselves. But he goes on to say, when life is over, you will be welcome into an eternal home. Now, who's going to be welcome into an eternal home? People who are believers. Am I correct? So when he says you should use wealth to make friends for yourself, who do you think you are making friends of if you help someone escape hell? Everybody. I mean, if you use the resources that are available to you the right way, to reach people for Christ so that they will go to heaven. When you go to heaven, you've just made yourself some friends. You stand before the Lord someday, and they get to stand in the same line you're in, and they're tapping you on the shoulder saying, I'm so glad that you took time to tell me. I'm so glad that you spent your money to reach me. I'm so glad that you used your resources so I'd be in this line instead of that one. I'm your friend forever. Jesus wasn't saying use money to buy friends. Jesus is saying use money the right way and you'll have friends. And someday you'll be welcomed into eternal life. Believers, obedient believers who have been about their father's business while they're on the earth are the ones that are going to be welcomed into heaven. Notice that's not going to be the ones that have spent their life quitting their jobs, spending foolishly, and partying their lives away. Hence, the world's view, the top five reasons for winning the lottery versus God's view of how resources should be spent. We're laying a foundation for where we're going. Resources, the answer to the question there, number one, is resources should be used to do God's will. Number two, 
Who can be trusted with resources? Look at verse 10 and 11. Spells it right out. Whoever can be trusted, so those who are trustworthy. Whoever is dishonest is going to be dishonest with a lot, so those who are honest. And then it talks about in 11, who can be, that, what, what they're going to do with that or how they're going to use that. So, so these three things, this, this is what he's looking for. Those who are trustworthy, honest, and responsible. People who just want to mess around are not the kinds of people that God wants handling his money or his resources. People that who would, quote, quit their jobs, buy a new car, and party are not the people that God is going to put his resources into their possession for any length of time. That's why within five years, those people have lost that money. Eventually, the resources that God has given to us are going to find their way back to trustworthy, honest, and responsible places. They just are. Even the money that the devil steals and uses has a way of finding its way back to where it should be. So that's the answer to the second question. Number three, should people serve resources or serve the God of resources? Verse 13 answers that question. Says that you can only serve one. You have to choose. You'll either love the resources and serve them or you'll love God and serve him. If you love the resources, then that's what you'll go after your whole life. If you love God, you'll simply use the resources he has given you to accomplish the purpose of your life. And you'll have all that you need. But you have to choose. Some people have already done that. You could tell that they've made that decision by the way they're living their lives. Have you ever heard somebody make a statement like this? They said, if I were wealthy, you ever heard that? If I were wealthy, I would be a generous person. If I were wealthy, I would be a generous person. If, um, if I was popular, I would use that platform for the masses by the way I live my life. And I'd use that platform for the Lord. Have you ever heard somebody say that? If I was famous, if I was famous, I would, I would preach the gospel to everybody if I just had that potential. And my question to people like that is this. If you're not generous now, if you're not witnessing now, if you're not a good example now, what would cause any one of us to think that you would do better with more or different with more? Hmm. If you don't do those things on the level that you live right now, what would cause God to think that you would do something different if you were on another level? And if you've ever told God something like, if I win the lottery, the first thing I'm going to do is give 10% of it to God. And God would say, then if you're going to do that, why don't you do that now? Ooh. Pastor, you preached on tithe two weeks ago and then you left. We thought we were done with you. The guys laughed at me in Honduras because the word had already reached when I got there on Tuesday. 
about the message I preached on Sunday. And they said, some of the folks are glad you're here. I'm coming back. If the plane makes it, I'm coming back. Let me ask you a a really serious question along those lines. And I want you to be honest with yourself. Who among us would knowingly give money week after week and year after year to somebody that we knew was stealing from us? Would you do it? If you knew someone was stealing from you, would you give them money week after week and year after year? But God does to us. Those of us who choose not to obey what he tells us in the word about giving, tithing, and being generous, we are stealing from the Lord according to Malachi. And yet God keeps on feeding us. You say that makes God the ultimate enabler. Nope, that means God is the lover of all people. And he just keeps taking care of people even though they keep taking from it. How many of you, with, if your own children, you know, you want to help your kids, but if you caught your kids getting in your purse, stealing your money all the time or taking money out of your wallet all the time, you'd start hiding your wallet. Yet God continues to bless us even when we steal from him. I love what Stephen Furtick said. Stephen Furtick pastors Elevation Church out in North Carolina. He made this statement. He said, obedience creates opportunity. It's not the other way around. Let me let that sink in for a minute. Obedience creates opportunity. Not the other way around. He went on to say, God won't give you more to do for him until you do what he's already giving you to do. Stop praying for a bigger platform and use the one you've been given. Be obedient with what God has given you and he'll give you more to be obedient with. Isn't that good stuff? Let me sum that up. Start doing today what you keep saying you would do if. There was a famous pianist named Arthur Rubenstein. He was celebrating his 84th birthday, and this is what he said. I'm going to read it to you, this quote. He said, As long as we have what we have inside, the capacity to love, to work, to hear music, to see a flower, to look at the world as it is, nothing can stop us from being happy. But one thing you must take seriously, you must get rid of the ifs of life. Many people tell you, I would be happy if I had a certain job or if I were better looking or if a certain person would marry me. He said, there isn't any such thing. You must live your life unconditionally without the ifs. And I would like to add a little bit to his advice and take that even just a little bit further and say that if we will put God first in our lives, all of the ifs become insignificant. There's no need for the ifs. So you understand at this point, this message is not just about money. We're talking about resource. That's why I use the word resources, not just money, resources. Because everything is God's. The earth and the fullness thereof. Everything on the planet is God. The shirt you're wearing right now is not yours. You said, I paid for it. You paid for it with God's money. 
everything that you have, everything that is around you, every it is all it has all been put here for the sake of of us needing it and using it simply to get us from birth to death because the reason for our life was to be here for the amount of time God had determined for us to be able to make a decision, would we live for him or not? So all the resources have been given to us. Here's your food, here's your clothing, whatever vehicle that you might need, whether it's a bicycle, a skateboard, or a car, whatever the need that might be, whatever it is that you need to, to live here long enough to be able to make your decision, get your heart right, get your mind right, and bring other people with you, then you'll go home and everything that you left behind will stay here to someone else until God burns it all because everything is God's. All the resources belong to God. God has promised our church, we will never lack the resources we need to build or battle for his kingdom. He's promised us that. So this message is not just about money, it's about resources. My point today in this, in all of this today is to, to, to somehow convey this, this, this idea to you that you need to stop clinging to win in the lottery before you live, or someday you're going to wake up, look back, and realize you missed it. If your life is a series of ifs, you're going to look back and have a lot of regret. I always told my kids when they were growing up, don't live your life with regret. Don't live with woulda, coulda, shoulda. Don't make decisions that you'll regret. Don't live with the ifs. What are you saying, pastor? I'm saying start now. Live now. Start with the little that you have, whatever that might be, whatever it is that we're talking about. Whatever is within your sphere of influence, whatever it is that God has gifted you with or blessed you with at this moment, work with that. Enjoy that. Share that. Enjoy it. Give it away. If you want to write... Don't wait until you're a famous author to start writing or you'll never start. Write. You want to play music? Don't wait until you're an accomplished musician to start playing. Start practicing now or you'll never get to be an accomplished musician. When I was just a kid, 16 years old or so, 17 years old, dad said to me, son, your ministry doesn't start after Bible college. Your ministry starts today. If you're called to preach, preach. You say, but I don't have a pulpit. You want me to tell you how I used to preach? When I was four and five years old, I would get out in the garage and we had a garage that didn't have the poured floor and it just had, dad had built the house, but he hadn't finished pouring the floor in the garage. We had a couple of humps of dirt and I would go out there with a Bible. I couldn't even read. I found that Bible the other day. It was a, it was a little Bible with Jesus on the front, the blue Bible with Jesus with the children. Remember the Bible? And I would open up that Bible and I would take my text from the pictures. My sisters would come out and one of them would lead the singing. One of them would lead to singing. And then the other two would sit there patiently while I took my text from Samson and, or Goliath or the lion's den. Whatever it was, I would take my text and I would stand up on one of those little hills of dirt with a broom handle. And I'd preach. My poor sisters, 
They heard a lot of poor preaching. They'd rather have the preaching than what I was doing to them when I wasn't preaching, but they got tired of the preaching, I'm sure. You can't wait for the ifs to do what has been put in your heart. That's what this whole thing's about today. It's not about winning the lottery. It's the mentality of people that say, when I, when I win the lottery, then I'm going to have the money to do. No. Right now. Start right now. Live right now. Do right now. Be right now. What is it that's in your heart? What's in your heart? What is it that you wake up with and go to bed with? What is that thing that you just chomp at the bit that you want to do? That thing that you keep saying, one of these days I'm going to. If things line up, if everything lines up someday I'm going. No, whatever that is, start doing it now. Or you'll wake up someday and you'll say, man, it's too late for me to do it. If you're gifted to serve, don't wait till you have a position to do that. Start serving. Never wait for the perfect timing. Some of you young couples that you're in love and you're old enough and you want to get married, you say, we're going to wait until we can afford it. No, get married. Why, Pastor? And some of the parents are looking at me like, hey, 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 hey. I'm asking you parents something. Which would you rather have, your kids living in sin? Or if they're truly in love and going to get married, married, doing things right. You young couples that say someday we're going to have a baby when we can afford it. I'm saying go ahead and have one. You'll never be able to afford it. And God can bless and take care of that one just like he's taking care of the other 7 billion that are on the planet right now. Why live with regret? Now don't flip that and get it in the wrong order. Then you'll live with regret. What's in your heart? Let me pick on Todd Kelhoffer. He's sitting over there and he didn't know I was going to talk about him. I should have told him first, but if I had, he might not have wanted me to. Todd said something to me last week. I loved it. We're right in the middle of smearing stucco on walls. It's hot. Really humid and sweats just, you know, that particular day wasn't all that hot, but it was really humid. And sweats just pouring off our faces into the wheelbarrow. We're grabbing this mud and we're putting it on these walls. I'm dying. But I'm smiling, telling jokes and having a great time, you know. And I look at Todd and Todd says, man, I love this. I wish I could do this four or five times a year. I stopped and I said, well, you know what, Todd? then you probably will. Because I asked him, I said, do you think this is a good thing? And he said, yeah. And I said, so does God. And if God has put that in your heart to be able to come to Honduras and build houses for people that are living in shacks, then why wouldn't he make a way for you to do that? If you want to come and do this four or five times a year, Someday you're probably going to do that. All of you need to think about what that is. What is that? Pastor, someday I'd really love to work with children. 
I'm going to go to college and get my education so someday I can work with the children. No, you don't have to wait to go to college to work with the children. Whatever it is that you're waiting on, I will will tell you, I agree. I I, I agree with education and preparation. I think that you should do, do do the very best you can to prepare for where you're going. But I'm not saying that you have to receive a Ph.D. before you can start teaching our children. You will have to pass a background check. Before you get anywhere close to the secure area, you will pass a background check. What's in your heart? It's time for us to take all of the ifs and throw them away. Let's not live with regret. Let's not waste time. What is it that God's put in your heart? Stop waiting till you win the lottery to do what God is leading you to do. There is nothing hindering you from starting today. You may not, you may not be where you're going to be. I'm telling you, when I started preaching at four, I hope I'm a better preacher now than I was then. But years and years of having done this make you at least acclimate you better to being in front of a crowd. Okay? I understand practice makes perfect and all those kinds of things. And I keep practicing. And one of you hang on with me. When somebody, somebody come by and steal every once in a while, they'll say, someday I think you're going to be a good preacher, you know. Been at this for 30 years, but someday I'm going to. I do think that practice makes better. But don't wait until you get a platform to start doing what's in your heart. Here's how it works. Start doing what's in your heart and God will give you a platform. Huh? Start doing what you would do if. Start doing that. And God will enlarge your abilities and strengthen that capacity and you'll get better at what it is and you'll Be more efficient in that. But you're not ever going to get there by not starting. You and I are being tested. I take you back to what God said in his word in Luke 16, verse 10. Now this makes even more sense. Whoever can be trusted with very little. Who is saying this? Jesus. Jesus is saying this. He's telling us this. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with a lot. Whoever's dishonest with, a, with very little is dishonest with a lot. So when Malachi, when God said for us to test him with our giving to see if he was telling us, remember that? Now here God is testing us. God himself is testing us and saying, I've given you a little. What are you going to do with it? You going to sit on it? You don't hide it. You don't bury it. Because until you prove that you're going to do something with a little, I'm not going to give you more. Not going to waste resources on someone who's going to build bigger barns. But I'm going to pour resources into people who are going to use them for my purposes. Don't wait to win the lottery to show God that he can trust you. Show him right now. 
And some of you are like, thank you, pastor. Been doing that, living that, been doing it a long, long time. Okay, then it's just been reaffirmed. But that word is to someone here today and probably several someones here today who are just sitting on ideas, who are just sitting on callings, waiting for perfect situations to unfold for them to be able to do. And they make statements around them. If, when, wish, start and let God open doors. Lord, I thank you for your word today. We don't want to live with regret. We don't want to waste our time and yours. We don't want to look around someday and realize that this life is over and that thing that burned in our spirit, that thing that burned in our heart, that 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 that, that thing that you made us the steward of, we never did anything with it. We can't live with that. Today, Lord, today, we make this commitment to you. We're going to start. Not waiting to win the lottery. Not waiting until all the planets line up. We're going to start today. We're going to commit today to utilizing the ideas and the gifts and the talents that you've given us. I thank you for your word to those whom you are specifically speaking to right now. I pray that this word would find its way deep into their soul. This is not just an emotional response, but it is a life-changing moment where that this word finds its root deep in our spirit and, and we begin to just water that, treasure that, and love that until it can blossom. Lord, we want to start, we want to work, we want to give, we want to do, we want to be. Forgive us for waiting and bless our faithfulness according to your word. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Our altar is open for anyone who would just like to bring your notes and kneel down for a minute and just spend a few minutes talking and listening. Maybe you want to come down, kneel down and say to the Lord, God, I'm sorry. I'm ready. And then just spend a few minutes just hanging around with God and listening to what he has to say. Altars are open. You can, you can pray there where you're at. Stand, sit, walk, kneel. I don't care. You're not going to scare me or hurt my feelings one way or another. But the altars, the seats, wherever you're comfortable, I feel like it's very important that we take time not just to hear the word, but to act upon it so that we'll be doers of it. Not hearers only, but doers of the word. Let's take a few minutes. Neil's going to play for us, sing perhaps, whatever happens during this next song. I want you to just take this moment and let this word get down in your soul. Are you ready? Let's pray. Come on.